This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and greetings from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and welcome into another episode of Half Measures, the podcast that RadioPublic.com describes as your what to watch podcast. Dan, I feel like that could stick. I feel like we should use that as like our brand or a slogan or, or whatever they call it. Kia ora, Paul. Um, I think what to watch is the new live, laugh, love of um, of 2020. I think it works. I think it defines everything we do. That's why people tune in, right? They want to know what to watch. They're not tuning in to to hear our dulcet tones. That they they want they want to hear what to watch, right? They want to know what to watch. They want to know what we think. They want to hear our ramblings. You know, I th- I, I think people miss us. That's why they look forward to it week in week out. We're here for them. That's what we tell each other to keep us keep ourselves yeah, going, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Well. um, I don't know about you, Dan, but I've got a full agenda of things I want to talk about. I feel like I can't believe how much stuff I've I've crammed in in the last seven days. How about you? Yeah, I've got quite a bit too. It's been a long weekend here in New Zealand, so we've had um, you know, to be fair, an extra day and and night of maybe a bit of a later night, a bit more, you know, daytime watching when the when the world allows. So yeah, I think we've got lots to cover today. All right, who's going to kick off this week, Dan? I can kick us off if you like. Well, so I've watched quite a few movies. I've even been to a movie theatre, which is the the first time I've been to a movie theatre since pre-COVID. And I think, I'm pretty sure the last movie that I saw was 1917 mm. in, in cinema. But I, I finally made it along to see Tenant. So just a, a spur of the moment opportunity. And thought to myself, I need to see this movie on the big screen. What's all the hype about? And I know you haven't seen it, Paul, so I'm not going to go uh, deep into into spoilers or anything, but this is the new Christopher Nolan movie. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was great to watch at a cinema. It was great with kind of, you know, the Christopher Nolan booming sounds, The just the, the effects to it were, were so great. It's a action-packed great story that leaves you thinking about it for a long time to come. Um, no shame in admitting post the movie, uh, myself and Samara had to watch a YouTube video just to kind of just confirm some of the things that were happening. Okay. There's obviously um, a bit like Inception, a few multiple sort of storylines and um, things things going on. But, it, you know, it's, it, was, it was easy. And, like, it basically confirmed everything that we, we thought was going on, which was good. So this is – I think if you get a chance to pop along to the cinema, I think definitely worth making the time. I still think it's going to be a great watch at home when it finally comes out um, on various platforms. But yeah, if, if you've if you've kind of been on the fence, and I, I think I have been a little bit because I feel like it's had a few um, false starts with COVID and then there's been kind of mixed reviews about it, but I, I think it's solid. It's It's a cool, it's a really cool movie. Um, and I think just, just a, a great cast as well. Uh, John David Washington, obviously Denzel Washington's son, Robert Patterson. It was just awesome. I really enjoyed it. 
Mm, and, and Michael Caine, Kenneth Branagh. There's a there's a lot of draw cards in there. I I've I definitely want to see this movie. Most of the reviews I've read have been have been good, but I've been trying to find just those spoiler free reviews. And you know, I understand Nolan took like way over five years to actually write the screenplay for this one, and so um, everything you've told me sounds like what I would hope for in a, in a, a Christopher Nolan movie. But where would you? And this is a tough question, Dan. But if you if you look at Tenet, given the scale of how awesome Christopher Nolan's movies are, you know, we're talking the, the Dark Knight trilogy, we're we're talking we're talking Inception, we're talking Insomnia, we're talking Prestige. Where, where would you sort of place it ish? Oh, it's it's tough. I think it's a, it's a slightly more, I think, complicated concept of kind of reversing time in this and so I think for me, it's probably I'm going to group up all of the the Nolan trilogy of Batman films is still probably num- number one for me. Mm. I think, and then it would be a a real uh, close fight between I think uh, Inception and Tenant. Like like that's how how high up this mm. movie is for me. Um, I think it these movies do something fresh. They make you think about things differently. And I, I'm not the first person to say this, but. You know, this is seeing Robert Patterson in, in a different movie, and I know that he's actually got quite an interesting back catalogue already, but it really kind of got me a bit more hyped for, for Batman. Mm. And I think seeing him in this type of action movie, it, it was cool. I think he's definitely got the goods. He's going to be a great Bruce Wayne. Great. That is good to hear. And, yeah, I have to admit, I haven't really see, seen him outside of uh, the Twilight franchise, so to speak. So um, it will be good to see him in this. I was just looking then at Christopher Nolan's back catalogue i mean he's got movies like dunkirk and interstellar and you know just i mean everything's just amazing right so uh i i I have to say i have really high hopes for this and you've you've confirmed it for me so you've 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 got me even more hyped up for it maybe paul just um well we're making a mental note of it maybe we need to do a podcast on ranking christopher nolan movies and like actually breaking up the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. It's, let's try and get an order together. The top ten, shall we say? I feel like that would be a nice little, maybe like a little Christmas treat for us. We could, we could, we could do something like that. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Okay. Um, so I've watched a, another couple of movies actually. A couple of movies which are a little bit uh, different for me, but a few wildcards. I've just recently watched Fantastic Mr. Fox on Amazon Prime. So this is a uh, 2009 movie but it's a movie that I I saw a long long time ago and I was just looking for something kind of like lighthearted and fun it's a Wes Anderson film it's so good and for a, a film that's what are we 11 years old now um, it's got a pretty stellar cast um, George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Bill Murray, this this William Defoe, this Owen Wilson this 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 is a really funny adult movie i think it's got some really great um like messages around i think just just around parenting about like kind of like living your dreams it's it's so well crafted and the fact that it's it's done with kind of the stop motion puppetry it's you know it's a a classic raudel story i think if you're looking for something fun to watch i think this is one of those movies where i think the kids might enjoy it but there's a lot in there for the adults as well and so fantastic mr fox highly recommended have you seen this one ball i have not seen it i'm gonna have to be honest here and embarrass myself i have not heard of it 
I did spot its head in 2009, which was the year that our son, our first child was born. So I feel like that year was a write-off in terms of knowing what was going on in the world. So I'm going to put it down to that. But um, now that I look at it, I see what you mean about it sort of like it's obviously a kid story, but having that adult angle, um, it looks it looks amazing. And Bill Murray, Michael Gamden, there's 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 heaps of people in there that I'd love to to to, to watch this for. So um great great find, Dan. You often say to me, Paul, I often wonder what your decision is about how you find a movie, but what what drove you to Fantastic Mr. Fox Dan? <laughs> I don't when I say that to you, Paul, I don't pull that face. So <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes when I don't I feel like I'm cursed, Paul. Often in the weekend, I feel like I, I wake up way too early, mm. way earlier than I ever need to for work. And I'm often, you know, I, I get up, you know, you're having a cup of tea, um, you've got a pug on your lap. You're like, I'm just looking for something casual to kind of check out and watch. And someone mentioned this movie to me a little while ago. I noticed it was on Amazon Prime. And I thought, you know what? I'm always looking for some some new things to talk about on the pod. Let's give Fantastic Mr. Fox a go in 2020. And I tell you, it stacks up well. Good call. Good call. I will check it out. I have added it to my list. Nice one. In that same vein, and you're equally going to ask me, how did you get to this? I also watched the movie Paddington over this long weekend. Wow. So There's a real trend going on here. What's next? The Mr. Men? Okay, this is great. Paddington. <laughs> so Paddington. Um, this is a movie. So this is the first one which came out in 2014. This is a movie I've never really had any interest in, in watching, but I have heard so much great stuff about Paddington 2, and it's been long on my radar to watch, and I, I don't think it's on any – immediate platforms that I have at my disposal but I thought to myself you know what I should give Paddington a go and just recently um, in a a conversation actually on my day job we talked about what are what are some of the the saddest or happiest movies that um, that people watch and someone talked about Paddington and it just kind of sparked my interest a little bit more it was on Netflix I didn't watch it on the same day as Fantastic Mr. Fox but it, it was it was an early morning watch I didn't find it too sad. I kind of found it funny. Um, I am definitely going to watch Paddington 2 when it comes onto a streaming platform. It's I, I think Paddington's an all-time classic, and I think this actually brings something kind of unique and charming to it. I, I presume you've seen it, Paul, being from being from London? <laughs> yeah, yeah. obviously it's uh, part of the, the core watching. Uh, no, I haven't. This is another one which... As you mention it now, I'm thinking this would be great to sit down with the the family and watch. And again, a great voice talent, uh, Ben Wish Ben Wishaw as as Paddington himself. He's he's great. I love him in the Bond movies. Uh, Hugh Bonneville. Uh, who else have we got? Oh, Michael Gamden again. This is this is great. This is this is not what I expect you to bring to the table. So I love it. All right, so I'm going to do a bit of a sharp U-turn now, and. So Samara and I have now finished Band of Brothers. So we've watched all 10 episodes of that. Just finished it last night. We're going to go probably straight into the Pacific and just sort of like follow it through. And I'll tell you the greatest thing about this Band of Brothers rewatch is I've now got Samara saying things to me like, I'll be keen to watch uh, Saving Private Ryan. I'm lining up. We're going to watch Fury. We're going to watch Dunkirk. We're going to probably watch like 1917 again. Like I feel like this has really opened up the Aladdin's cave of um, war movies that I really enjoy watching, and it's kind of like piqued your interest. I feel like 
such a great watch. I feel like the next time we do a podcast and you come on the camera on screen, that you may actually be dressed in full army gear or, or something. Like you're, you're going to go down a real wormhole now and stuff. Well, you know that scene in uh, Commando with it's, – it's quite the meme with Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. when he's putting on the, mm-hmm. the combat body tape and body stuff and strapping his knife to his leg. Like, I feel like that, that's me getting ready for the podcast. Yeah. Um, and I, look, I said it last week, Banner Brothers, for a, a, a mini-series, a limited series that came out in 2001, so freaking good still. Um, I cannot speak more highly about this TV show. We really enjoyed it from start to end. I've obviously seen it multiple times. This was Samara's first time through, but I think like she's she's not someone who's really interested typically in this type of genre, but mm-hmm. she was hooked in, and I think um, she had, she had all the all the feels that we've all had around sort of the the journey of these of these soldiers, the the toll the war has on people. I think the epic storytelling. It's and I think the other great connection is um, uh, Captain Winters, who I, I can't help but call Brody from yep, Homeland. Of course. You know, it's, it's it's so great. I think it's just another great connection. So quality TV show. Looking forward to going into the Pacific. I'm not quite as familiar with that one as Panda Brothers, but I'm sure it's going to be great. I Every time I talk about it, I feel like I want to watch it again, hearing you talk about it last week and now again. Um, just sort of jumping ahead to the mailbag. We, we've we put out like a over 100 posts since we've been doing this podcast for all the things we've been reviewing, each TV show, each movie, whatever. And the Band of Brothers post went out and it's been like the fourth most viewed and liked and all the rest of it posts that we've ever done it's just there's so much love for it out there there's it's just no matter where you go i was at a um a podcast hangout on the weekend and people had listened in to what you've been talking about and it became a, a subject of conversation around you know that as well so amazing that's awesome that's awesome then i've got one other tv show that i've you know i actually did go out during the weekend even though my my viewing history might say otherwise a TV show that um, I've kind of been interested in for a little while. He, I heard lots of great recommendations. Sador over in our Discord channel kind of further reinforced how much I should watch this show. And it's The Haunting of Bly Manor. So this is a, a Netflix original. This is not my normal genre. So this is, and it's I've sort of come in in a spot where I wouldn't normally come in. So the the first movie, the first sorry uh, TV series, the haunting of Hill House, and mm. then there's this one, the haunting of Bly Manor. They're same, same actors, some some same actors, but they're not actually connected. They're individual stories, and so I, I came in real hot and just came in with Bly Manor because I thought that's the more modern one. Also, every time I watch the trailer for the first season looks freaking terrifying ghosts definitely terrify me paul and this 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 series was great like it's got a few scares but i think there's some real like deep uh, messages it's got a really um awesome and enjoyable cast i kind of found myself for the first time in a long time watching this season and kind of feeling like i'm truly binging it and can't wait to watch the next episode and it's actually I think put the it's it's given me the it's given me the courage the the Gryffindor courage to probably go ahead and watch that first season, the haunting of Hill House, 
so or house hill whatever that whatever that one's called but i'm i'm interested house on haunted hill yeah that's right yeah so look this is a a, it's not too spooky like it's not like there's definitely some some ghost action in this series but i think there's 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 a lot to offer here story-wise and it's I don't think it's the traditional sort of horror genre that people might be thinking of. So mm. if you're interested in a, a good story with some good twists and turns about um, human connection, again, I, I recommend it. It's one to watch. Thanks, uh, Sador, for the, for the shout-out as well. Yeah, look, I, I did see the the conversation in our Discord channel going on between yourself and Sador and Freckled Pretzel as well. And I, I have to be honest, I did – kind of do what you just said and sort of dismissed it from the point of view oh it's, it's horror it's not really my sort of thing and I, I think just hearing you talk about it a bit more obviously it, it's a bit more than that it's not just the about the ghosts and so um i should i would i think diana would definitely watch it so that would probably give me some chance of getting it straight onto the watch list so uh yeah interesting to real a real interesting variety of things you've brought to the table this week dan really interesting it's definitely a hodgepodge, and there's there's still some things I want to talk about that um, that we've both watched. But yeah, I, I actually think you will quite enjoy uh, the Haunting of Blind Manipur. It's got there's just so many great moments in there, and once you kind of get past almost kind of just the first episode, they kind of introduce kind of the the spooky component of it. The the acting and the the storytelling is so strong that I, I think there's something in there for you to enjoy. Nice one. Okay. What about you? What you got? Yeah, so for me, I took a recommendation from from you, Dan, um, which is rare, and I uh, I watched <laughs> the social dilemma. I waited specifically for you to take a, a swig of your drink so that you couldn't come back with an immediate retort. I thought it was quite clever. Um, so the social dilemma, uh, great, great mention. Uh, I felt compelled to watch it just because I felt like everyone at my workplace is talking about it, um, and I think. If I was to put aside um, like something like, you know, that uh, what was it called? Don't mess with cats. Uh, if I if I put that aside, I can't think of anything I've watched that's left me sort of thinking so much after watching it. So when you talked about it, when you sold it to me, um, I feel like it's so vital that so many people watch this. I really do. I, I feel like if you have kids or if you if you have social media or you know if, even if you just use Google or, or think you're just a casual user of facebook if you've got a smartphone no matter what it is i feel like you need to watch this it's it's really just for so many people and i'm not normally one for sort of big documentaries or investigations or whatever but this one i found really compelling and i think the people that they had on it was what made it so uh I don't know. That's something I really bought into. So the, the, you had like the guy that invented the like button on Facebook. I mean, I really, you know, senior engineers who's, who've written the algorithms and the, and the software that monitor and track people and their online behavior. There's, they're all really upfront. They're all really, they appear to be really honest and very concerned about, you know, they themselves have created and helped to shape. And might I add, they're, they're also the ones saying, oh, don't let your kids know this stuff. You know, they don't let their own kids have social media and the, the virtually no screen time. It's a fascinating watch. Um, I was, I went into it thinking, oh yeah, I wonder if it is all that or if people just overhyped it, but no, it's, um, it's, it's really well presented in the way they sort of uh, project the AI by having like little humans inside the machine 
you know, playing out what the algorithms would be would be doing is uh, is really effective way of um, getting a message across. Very scary. Yeah, I, I think they, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Lee. I think they really made it simple and easy to understand. I think the impacts of social media, and I think what I quite liked about um, this documentary is it's not necessarily saying it's all doom and gloom and, and the world's ending. I think what it's saying is we need to think about the repercussions and implications of how we use this technology and the more people that are aware and asking the right questions, the more we can kind of be socially conscious. And I, I liked that it left us with that message that there's still opportunities out there to use it for good. Dan, I think you've just summed up way more articulately than I just did exactly what I wanted to say about the uh, social dilemma. So thank you um, for my next <laughs> for my next watch. Speaking of, speaking of the social dilemma, you should follow us on uh, <laughs> on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Definitely, because there's no no harm's going to come from following half measures online at all. Um, you may have something to say about the the next thing I watch, which is. The fate of the furious. So here we are. We're at um, what are we up to now? Podcast thirty-six, right? So if we go back to podcast number eighteen, all the way back in June, that was so literally, yeah, I guess literally the halfway point between when we started and where we are now. This is when I first shook your world and I watched the very first Fast and Furious movie and you know the original. I'll have the tuna crust movie, um, and I feel like. When you when I watched that first movie, I, I remember you you gave me your thoughts and you gave me a bit of a warning and you sort of said, "Oh, you know, then the I take no, no, you know, I'm not involved with the other movies. They're not as good as the first one. The stakes get too big and more global." Um, so here I am watching the latest movie, um, or at least the latest one to be released, and I've been on a journey for the last four months. And whilst I do, I I still disagree with you that the movies when you say that the movies don't get better, because I can think of at least four that I think are better than the first one, including this one, I might add. But what I can say, and that you're so right about, is the scale of the movies has just got out of control. The plot, uh, the story that these movies are try trying to tell, and this this latest, this one, well, that we fade into Furious, is no exception. Um, so that message that you tried to tell me back in June, it's really resonating with me now. I definitely hear what you were saying because this film is so far removed from that first one. Like if, if you, if you introduce someone to that first one and then went straight to this one, they just wouldn't even believe it was in the same franchise. Give or take the cast. Right. And I think that's the challenge, right? Like, and we, we talk about this all the time. I think that the scale is so small in the first movie compared to, you know, we're now busting submarines out of the ice. Yep. We're racing through Cuba. Like, and, now, like when you know, when we talk about movies 10 and 11 and, and the notion of going to space, that is completely within the realm of the Fast and the Furious universe, right? 100%. Oh, it's it's not even it's not even unlikely to happen because it's literally the last boundary that they haven't crossed at this point, I think. Um, you know, we've got, as you say, we've got submarines, we've got helicopters, we've got planes, we've got, we've got tanks. I mean, there, there was, there was, a, we have a car chase on ice with a tank. I mean, full credit to the writers. This really is incredible. I mean, it's so unfeasible, but in this movie, it somehow seems to work in a way that just makes it really great Saturday night entertainment. It really does. 
I think, you know, your your point around there could be different franchises. I kind of wish they were. Like, I kind of wish that maybe the first three movies were kind of like they were their, th- they, they were their own thing and then this is completely something different because it is just such a, a wild time. And it's actually like when even just looking at the cast list, there's some mm. real big hitters in this, right? Charlize Theron, Kurt Russell, we've still got Ludacris, we've still got Jason Statham, we've got Vin Diesel, we've got, you know, like it's, it's huge. It is, and just for anyone who hasn't watched it and who's interested, the the, the 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 what do you call it? The plot, the summary. So Dominic and and Letty are on their honeymoon. The crew's been exonerated from their crime, so they're all pretty much leading a normal life. And then a mysterious woman, uh, as you just mentioned, Shelley's, seduces Dom into a world of crime that he seemingly can't escape, and he betrays you know everyone close to him. And the, so the team then go across the globe to try and stop an anarchist from unleashing nuclear chaos on the world. And that's the scale we're dealing with here. Um, and on, you know, let's not forget with Vin Diesel. He's the, he's the guy who cannot be destroyed by anything or anyone. Um, I, I feel like if I had watched this in the cinema, that I might've got punched in the face because I found myself laughing at things that I'm sure weren't meant to be funny. Um, so for example, there was that moment where Vin Diesel was, He's in his car, he's surrounded by five other cars and they've all got a cable attached to his car. So Vin Diesel's being pulled in five different directions by five cables attached to five cars. But no way are these guys going to contain him. You can't stop Vin Diesel. And I might add that one of those cars is bigger and is being driven by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But still, it doesn't matter. Vin Diesel's like the trump card in the pack. And I just found it absolutely hilarious that he he got out of that situation. It was just amazing. It's... It's funny, but not real life funny. So I've I've seen all of these movies at the movie theater, and that, that's my commitment to Fast and the Furious. And I definitely liked like this one, kind of the least, to be honest. Like, I, like you know, when the submarine's coming out, I was like, oh, come, like Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> like, and I'm a Fast and the Furious advocate. But my question for you, really, Paul, is: Is it on to Hobson Shaw for you now? Oh look, definitely. I, I was actually, um, I was, I was going to say that there are some moments in this movie that that really do set me up for that quite, quite nicely. So I think one of my favourite lines actually was from The Rock, um, who plays Shaw or Hobbs. Which one is he? Uh, he's Hobbs. Hobbs, yes, Hobbs. When he refers to, to to Shaw, which is Statham's character. He refers to him as a tea and crumpet eating son of a bitch. And I really like that. The vibe between those two has really got me excited, as excited as I can be about Hobbs and Shaw. So, um, yeah. That was- I think you're really going to like Hobbs and Shaw for that reason, because I think they really turn that banter up to up to 11. They, they go full guns again, though, on it. I'm interested. Um, yeah, I'm in- no, I think I'm interested to see if um, we get another cameo in Hobson Shaw from Helen Mirren, who shows up in this movie um, as Statham's mum, which I thought was equal parts terrible and equal parts hilarious because uh, just like the accent she puts on was like was way was way too much. She's like, "You've got the time it takes me to drink my tea, and I'm thirsty." Yeah, she was just she was so over the top. And also on that note, Charlize Theron, right? So. Great actress. We talked about her a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, as a peak performance. I thought, I'm so, I, I thought she was terrible in this movie. And I put that down partly to script, of course, but just the over-the-top acting. But again, popcorn was eaten and a lot of fun was had. What can I say? 
I feel like with these movies, like I, I, I'm often intrigued about how do they get all these big names, and is it is it kind of just you know when you're in your Hollywood um, blue tick um, space, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, Charlie, you want you want to get on this? She's like, oh yeah, I'll get in on this. Have you got a role for me? And it's yeah. it's all just kind of mates rates and like hookups to get in here, and it's all they're just having a great time, and they're they're catching a fat cheek. Look, you're absolutely right, and I think that's exactly what happened with the Expendables franchise. Right by the time we got to Expendables three, I don't think there was anyone left from the major major players of, of action in in Hollywood. Um, the one last thing I wanted to say about this movie before we move on to anything else was I wanted to go back to that article that um, our regular listener, in fact, one of the first regular listeners that we ever heard from, which is why he always sticks in my mind, Bruce Gray, who sent us that article about the Fast and the Furious and the, the Terminator theory. So now that I'm up to date, I read the whole thing. And based on so many things, I can finally say that whilst I thought at first it was clickbait nonsense, this was a brilliant find, Bruce. The article talks about, you know, how fans have theorized that, you know, rather than it was actually Shelley seducing Vin Diesel, which was a ridiculous plot point, let's be honest, given that Vin Diesel's all about family and it's all about Letty. Um, but actually, uh, he was being controlled by her and that he's actually a, a deep cover Terminator. Um, and so... And then seeing the uh, what they call it the, the the computer system God's Eye is actually Skynet, and that was how it was able to take control of like hundreds of cars on the highway, which was insane. And in fact, some of the music even sounded like Terminator at times. Plus, there was that thing you mentioned about in Fast Five when he gets hit with a crowbar, and it sounds like metal against metal. So, look, I, I don't want these universes to cross over, and I really don't think they will. But I, I love the fan theory. So, again. Thank you, Bruce, for sending that in. It was uh, it was really interesting read. Awesome, Paul. I appreciate your commitment all the way to the end, and I look forward to buying uh, two tickets to Fast Nine and us going together and enjoying it as a family. <laughs> That's correct. That's definitely going to happen. I see no reason why that won't happen. Um, so let's go into a a, a spoiler free re- review of um, the latest ep- episode of Star Trek Discovery. Um, again because you're going to be watching this soon, Dan, I'm, I'm sure. So episode two of season three, and my thoughts and feelings from last week have definitely been confirmed. We're looking at one of the best stats to a Star Trek TV series ever. It's not an off-the-cuff remark either. I, li- I literally, because I'm such a geek, right, I went through all the seasons ever and looked at the first two episodes, and I genuinely think that this is top-tier Trek. That's how good the Star Trek is that we're dealing with here. Um, so following on from last week's episode, this week we leave um, Sonika Madden Green's character out of it altogether and we pick up with the other characters and how they're handling the situation that the Discovery find themselves in and it's it's a really um, superb episode of television it, it's, uh, it does that classic trick of progressing the overall story whilst simultaneously telling its own sort of self-contained story and then has an emotional final moment that ties it all together brilliantly so um, yeah it's um there's there's some great standout performances. They get the balance right between action and humor. There's um, the the chief engineer Paul Stamets, um, who is just absolutely hilarious. And also, I might add, isn't it just great to have a character in Star Trek finally called uh, finally called Paul? I've been waiting, I don't know, all my life for that to have someone with my name. Um, he has some great chemistry and on-screen um humor in this episode and uh i think a lot of that is actually down to the fact that we actually have one of the main characters of of the um 
the ship now is a stand-up comedian in real life and so i think that really makes it a lot easier for you to sort of um you know when you've got an actual comedian delivering those lines and do you know what for the life of me i can't remember her name now uh it's it's gone i can't think of her name that's awful i feel like it's tig is it tig nothing like a half measure looking it up on the fly right there we go. Tig, Tig, Tig Nataro. That's her name. Tig Nataro. She's a stand-up comedian. I've never really seen her, but she's hilarious. And I'm glad I haven't seen her, actually, because it's kind of like how I'm really glad I saw Donald Glover play Lando Carizian before I saw him as Troy in Community. You know, I like to see them in a more serious role first. I feel like um, you're, really, you're really making me change course on our Star Trek watching that I, and you've been saying this for the longest time, so that I should be watching Discovery and I can always come back to that other stuff. So I think we have to reevaluate life, set a new course for action and um, so that we can maybe start having some deeper conversations about Discovery. It's going to be hard for you because you're going to balance the site with, you know, Saving Private Ryan, The Pacific. I can see you going into all, all of those those types of films. So um so this could be a, a good bit of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? So like to balance out the you know the, the World War Two type stuff is something that's a little bit different. I got nothing but time, Paul. You know, nothing but time. That's great. That's the same here. Nothing but time. Um, the, the Discovery writers, credit to them, they're really at the top of their game because they're fleshing these characters out well. They're making you care about them. They're giving you. They're also giving us something that I think maybe Star Trek has never given us before, and that is a a genuinely long story arc exploring a, a situation, a scenario that I don't think has ever been explored in like 780 odd episodes of Star Trek, which is, you know, it's pretty hard to do, right? When you, you've got that much Trek behind you. So it's all shot in Iceland as well, which is really unique. It's actually got a bit of a New Zealand feel about it in some places. So it's all coming together well. And, you know, I, I'm not saying just before I oversell this to you, because I know I do that a lot. It's never going to be more classic than Kirk and Spock. Nothing's going to replace, you know, Picard, Data, and the Next Generation crew that I grew up with as a kid. But it is verging on being a real all-time standout Star Trek because, you know, unlike Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, the first two seasons are fantastic. And that's why you can jump straight in from the start. And I think it's, it's top-tier Trek. And I'll stop talking. I feel like I wish that the the listeners could see you right now, Paul. Excitement. I'm watching. Like, the hands are going. The nose is getting wiped. Like yeah, the, the hands go again. There's there's so much. There's so much uh, like emotion in your body language, not just in what you're saying. And so I I, I appreciate your your passion and your excitement. It's good. I appreciate it, Dan. Um, so we've got. Uh, so that's everything I think I'll talk about because I realize I've been talking for a long time. We've got, we've got uh, The Mandalorian Season 1, which we've both done a re rewatch of. We can talk about it, and then we can dive into our, our Walking Deads as well, right? Yeah, so uh, obviously, Paul, you've been watching um, The Mandalorian over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've just, myself and Samara, watched the whole thing over the weekend, really in prep for uh, The Mandalorian Season 2, which... Uh, by the time we record again, we'll actually already have had the first episode, which is pretty exciting. I don't know about you, Paul, but I absolutely loved my second round with The Mandalorian. I feel like the experience of watching this as one complete package 
was a game changer. And I know, you know, we we go hot and cold on whether the things should just kind of all be dropped at once or some things should be, you know, drip fed and it kind of gives you things to look forward to. But I think watching The Mandalorian, obviously, week by week is exciting. But just seeing it all together, it really made me look at the episodes differently and made me reflect back on our previous, you know, real early days of Half Measures. We had a, a review conversation mm. about The Mandalorian. And I feel like my views on some of my favorite episodes now are completely changed. I've got real different experiences with I, – I don't think there was any filler episodes in it now. Like, I think this whole thing – I'm like there's maybe one episode that was maybe a little bit um, lower quality, but overall, th- this was a gem. What you're, do you think? You're absolutely right. And in fact, just um, Diana and I watched this together, and I won't try and take credit for something that she said because she said it, and it, I thought it was really spot on. She she sort of you know the episode where they go to save the village, you know the one with the ATST in the forest. She made the point that the first time that you know that she watched that when we watched it together, she found that it kind of dragged a bit and that it sort of frustrated her because she just wanted to get back to the main story act and that this was like a, a sideshow of no real consequence. But this time watching it, you know, she said that you know, she really enjoyed it and she didn't have that same sort of "come on, come on, come on, come on" sort of feeling. And so, and I'm so on the same page as her with that because I had that same feeling when I watched it the first time around, whereas this time I already knew what was coming. So I was relaxed. And I was able to enjoy it. It kind of reminded me actually of like the, uh, what are we, when the, the last Jedi, that's what I'm thinking of. And when I went to see that in the movie and they went to Canto bite, I was just like, I, I, I don't want to see this. I'm not interested. I want to stay with Ray and Luke and Kylo. And then when I rewatched the movie, I'm now able to sit back and actually sort of take those scenes in. And, and so the rewatch for this, is absolutely superb and i do still maintain i love the week to week because it forces you to appreciate it and then you get to enjoy the rewatch that we've just done as well so um but i hear what you're saying the the binge was even over the course of a couple of weeks was was fantastic yeah i i completely agree with what um yourself and diana are saying there because that episode probably is the one that i think is a little bit of a a different um speed and pace but in the context of all eight episodes, it's quite an important one because this is actually the the Mandalorian trying to trying to work out actually can he leave the the child um, with you know on another planet for for its own safety, but and it all moves pretty quickly. Obviously, we get introduced um, to some new characters in that episode. I think I, I remember you talking like so highly about episode three. Mm. Um, previously and i always thought it was good but like episode like you're right episode three is absolute gold there's so much greatness that happens in that and i i think you could be right it could actually even be better than than chapter eight like the redemption episode but yeah i think it just it, it came together for me in a way that i hadn't really appreciated before and it was an easy watch over two nights Definitely. And look, just to take you back, you're right. I think it was that episode uh, in the village was the filler episode. Um, although we do meet Cara Dune, as you say, it's like a, an important thing. Episode uh, episode three. So this is the one where Mando makes that decision to to break the guild code and actually look after the well-being of the child and go back and, and, and save them. I think it still is my standout. I think there's something about seeing those sort of original stormtroopers come through the door and Mando starts taking them out and then there's all kinds of great 
throwback moments, which I'm, I guess I'm being a bit of a fanboy, but like when we see that Imperial probe, like the one that Vader used with Leia and we see it being used against the child. And it's just that moment where, you know, I'm going to use the word human, whether it's right or wrong, but you, you, you realize that he is, he's truly human, the Mandalorian and that he's got a hat and that he, he's going to do the right thing rather than what, you know, rather than do the thing for money. It's kind of that hand solo moment when he comes back and isn't just in it for the money. He's, he's going to help his friends out. I think too, and I, I didn't really appreciate, I think how often just like little moments of um, the Mandalorian giving uh, the, the child the, the the knob off the the gear lever. Mm. Like he does it all the time. There's so many like little sincere moments like that, which you know you kind of I feel like I see a lot now in the merchandise and the toys that come out. But like those little um, great moments are, are happening all the time. There's still a lot of I think great threads to pull. Um, for future episodes, mm. I am super excited. In fact, straight after we finished um, the final episode, we went and watched the trailer again for season two, and we just got so hyped up. And just hearing the that Mandalorian little um, theme music, mm. that sort of got that Western vibe to it. Mm. So great! Sort of sends a, a chill down my spine. So but it was a great watch. Yeah, one hundred percent correct. As always, the vibe that you just described, that Western vibe is so prominent. And I just went back to that, the pilot episode, again, such a strong opening. You know, that that Western feel, he walks into the bar, there's no dialogue for ages. It really sets the tone. And then all of a sudden, the first thing he says, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And straight away, the voice, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian is, there's, there's no one who could be better cast than him. He's just got the... His, I, I actually worry now that I won't be able to watch him in anything else because his voice is so synonymous. Because you don't get to see his face moving when he's talking because he's inside the helmet. I just feel like Pedro Pascal now. That's it. He's the Mandalorian for life. He's just, he's just, just so good. And like you, it was so easy to watch. So many other standout moments. Uh, I still love the Jawas and the Sandcrawler scene um, when the other Mandalorians come in on their jetpacks. Um, when he goes into Moss Eisley and we go back to the Cantina Bar, which, by the way, we've never seen that post in New Hope. So, you know, we, we, we all remember Luke and Obi-Wan walking in to meet Han and Chewie. We haven't seen it since then. And, it, you know, my goodness, does it look different? Um, just just so much, so much gold. My other favourite thing about the Mandalorian is the Mandalorian is actually like, like he's just a, uh, a like, you know, like Mandalorian, like being a Mandalorian, it's a creed. It's not a, it's not a race. It's a, and it, he's presumably human. Mm. Um, but he's like he's not. Uh, you know, when you when you think about things like Fast and the Furious, and like you know, no harm can happen to him. Like the Mandalorian is compl- is always getting beaten up. He's always getting like yep. chewed on, munched on, eaten on. Like, and it's it's great to see that he's not just this um, super soldier who's who's immune to harm. And I think that's what kind of humanizes them quite a bit as well. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Once again, then, and seeing him, but, uh, seeing him being saved by, you know, we've got Taika Waititi as, as IG-11. He saves him. We've got Nick Nolte's character, Quill. He saves him. We've got, obviously, the child <laughs> using the force. He definitely saves him. Um, there's so many, uh, and and Kara and Grief Gaga, they, they all play a part in, 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 in the sort of, helping keep this guy alive i think the one episode where he really does it by himself and you're like okay this guy's badass is the prisoner when he's on board the ship with those four other people 
that episode kind of plays out a bit like a video game to me. But um, and again, it's probably the second closest to filler ish for me. But um, another great episode. I, I, Dan, can I also express my excitement about Friday nights here in New Zealand? Because not only are we going to get a brand new episode of Star Wars Mandalorian, we're going to get a brand new episode of Star Trek Discovery. So I mean it when I say this, what a time to, <laughs> to be alive. This has to be pretty close to the perfect night for me with Star Trek and Star Wars. Honestly, it's too much. I feel like I might even treat myself to like a second pack of biscuits to go with my tea that night. I'm dead serious. <laughs> you, you do you, Paul. You do you. There's a character called Paul in, in Star Trek Discovery. What, what more could you want? It's all coming up, Paul, at the moment, isn't it? It is. I've got. I've got to make the choice now. Which one am I going to watch first? Which one's the, which one's the sort of the, the the starter and which one's the main event? I. Well, one thing I know for sure about you, Paul, is you're going to watch both of them multiple times. Mm. So, at the end of the day, probably doesn't matter too much because they're both going to get, you know, eyeballs on. Correct. And um, just a reminder to everyone that we will be doing our reviews week by week of Mandalorian season two for the next eight weeks, which will take us through to the finale just before Christmas. So um, as Dan says, if you haven't sort of, uh, if you haven't seen the first season, you can uh, go back to um, go back through our podcast list to episode three, um, where we spend a whole hour talking about uh, that, uh, the Mandalorian season one. Apologies for the quality of the audio (laughs) back in those days. It was real old school. Um, And also, if again, if you haven't seen season one, and if you don't have the time or inclination to watch it, or if you just want a, a quick recap of season one before you go into season two, then head to facebook.com forward slash half measures pod. And Dan and I have put a video up on our page. that gives you a really nice five minute recap of all the things you need to know going into the second season. You don't even need to be on Facebook. You can just go to that address and it will play. And um, it's a, it's a real good five minute recap, which by the way, Dan and I didn't put together. We stole from IMDb. So uh, yeah, it's worth a watch. Must be time for some Walking Dead, Paul. Indeed it is. And once again, for anyone who's not a Walking Dead fan, if you check our show notes, jump ahead to our movie of the week, which will be straight after this uh, this chat. You know how I said, um, Dan, I was at a podcast hangout on the weekend. Um, so that was a podcast hangout with um, the host from, from Roddenberry.com, uh, the host of uh, Retrogram, and, the, and one of the co-hosts from Time Traveling, Time Traveling Teep. Uh, <laughs> and this was Trisha. And she said in front of about, I don't know, 25 people or so, Paul, I hear you guys talking about The Walking Dead. I've never seen a single episode of it, but I still listen. And I really appreciated the fact that you know, she's still listening, even if she's not watching it. But you can jump ahead because you know what? It's not going to make a lot of sense what we're about to dive into, right? Indeed, indeed. And I thought that was a great Irish accent, a great um, a great I, impression of Trisha. I'm, I, I'm sure Trisha appreciates that. That was not an impression. <laughs> I would not do that disservice. At all. <laughs> what do we want to start with this week, Paul? Fear or World Beyond? I I always watch World Beyond first and then Fear because that's the way they come out. So in my mind, that's how I would watch it and how I'd go for it. So um, so yeah, should we go with World Beyond? Yeah, so we're at episode four um, of this one, and so uh, this is a this is on Amazon Prime here in New Zealand. I'm not not sure where it is. Might be for you, depending on where you're listening in the world. But this this is our, our new Walking Dead series. This is going to be a, a ten episode. We're up to episode four. I, I'm still enjoying it, Paul. I am starting to 
want them to hurry up a little bit with where this story's going. Mm. Um, I thought there was some okay moments, but I kind of found, I, I guess a couple of things. So quick summary, the, the group basically takes shelter inside an abandoned high school. And um, I think it's, I think it's hope that says I've never been in a high school. Mm. Just like, which is, I guess, you know, really reinforcing that message that these really are young people that have grown up in a, in a whole different world to what we've ever experienced. I was surprised if you've ever played any Dungeons and Dragons, never split up the group. I was surprised that as a as a as a small cohort, a small fellowship, they all kind of like went different ways to kind of scavenge and look for things and they all kind of had those traditional walking dead moments where they kind of you know get in harm's way they have to save each other these little like heartfelt moments but again i i didn't really feel like the episode progressed very far Mm. apart from the clip at the very end which you alerted me to but before we go into that what did you think of this episode paul yeah, look, I, I'm enjoying it still, but I will I will say, which I think you've alluded to there, of the four episodes we've watched so far, this is probably the, I don't know if it's the least enjoyable, but maybe it's because we're four episodes in, and as you have said, we're sort of expecting things to move along a bit faster. But um, I feel like there's a bit of a, at times, a bit of a playbook approach to writing that I think they need to be careful of so that they don't become predictable, and I just felt like I could see how it was going to play out. Um, so... Yeah, just something I would keep an eye on. Um, I and the, the other sort of negative comment was when whilst I'm talking negative, just and I mentioned this last week once again. There's that element of Felix and Huck as the adults coming to the rescue of the kids a little bit. Um, and you know these kids are like what seventeen to twenty, and these adults seem to me to be about thirty to maximum thirty-five. So yeah, you know, they're older, but they're not like a Rick Grimes or a Morgan older. So I'm just starting to wince a little bit over that, but. Putting that to one side, um, there, it was still a good episode overall. I'm still hooked. I'm still finding the time is going past really quickly. Yeah, look, I, I think, I, I think it's it's because it's almost it's almost like the ticking time bomb for me of like I know we've only got ten episodes. I presume we've still got these only two seasons. What are we doing? What's happening? I feel like. Let's let's bring some risk into this TV show. Like somebody's definitely not going to be able to like make it through these ten episodes, right? Mm. And at the moment, I'm, I'm not quite sure who that might be. Could it could it be Huck? Could it be could it be one of the young people? But it it does feel safe. It does feel like oh, I'm always overly negative on Walking Dead because I think I kind of enjoy the, the enjoy the concept. I'm I'm not not enjoying this, but I feel like. I want I want more of it, mm. more more out of it than I think it's currently offering me. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, to answer your question, I reckon the person who's not going to make it might be Elton. He's the yeah, he's the young one of the group, and I say that because I feel like um, he's getting way less screen time than the other, and that's a bit of a shame because I feel like he's a character I'll enjoy um, if I get to know him a bit more. He, he already cracks me up. Um, so I guess we'll see. Uh, I noticed that. Um, Aaliyah Royale, who plays Iris, she gets top billing on the credits. You know the order the credits come out of. So she actually appears ahead of uh, Alexa Mansour, who plays Hope. So technically, if they were doing it alphabetically, it would have been Alexa, but they've got Aaliyah first. So I think she's least likely to die. Um, she's clearly the series lead. 
Um, so I guess maybe that's why we get more screen time with her, which is fine because I think she's she's absolutely great. Um, there was also a couple of good moments in this episode for sort of scariness, um, or at least sort of jump out of your seat moments. And I think I always appreciate that when watching with Diana because honestly, she gets airborne when she jumps. It's like, it, it's it's really funny. It's really good. I think the other thing that the episode did give us, which was good, is it kind of gave us a bit more context about Iris and Hope's um, relation, like mm-hmm. relationship as sisters and um, their their story with the dad. And like, like I'm kind of invested in that story. I don't hold out great hopes for what they're going to find. And I guess, you know, they're, they're heading towards New York, I think is where mm-hmm. they're getting. Um, and it just reminds me of back in The Walking Dead when they were like, we've got to get to Washington. That That's going to be the place to be. And I just kind of, I feel like, again, we're getting set up for, they're going to find out pretty soon. That's not the place place to be. What are we going to do? They're going to have to find out about what's happened back at base. And it's kind of, I really hope that there's some real clever twist or something really creative happening that's going to bring, to get, bring together all three of our Walking Dead universes. Into, into the sort of great moment. I agree, I agree. And I would like to, on that note, I guess I'd like to see more about the, you know, the civil republic, the military, the, you know, the dudes with the helicopters, because that continues to be the big MacGuffin, as they call it, you know, that sort of draws me into this series, into that Walking Dead lore. And it, I, I still believe it's going to lead us, I think, straight into that Rick Grimes movie. So, um, so yeah, that's that's where I'd like to see this, this show go. But, um but yeah, so so there we go. The the flip side, of course, of all of this, in terms of we talk about playbook, we talk about predictability, is they did do something very unwalking dead, and that was our first ever post credit walking dead scene. And what did you think about that then? Um, I thought that was interesting. And I think this is where the actual universe actually starts to connect because so for those that haven't seen it, this was a, a scene of um, basically a, a scientist um, basically doing some A-B testing. And we've, we've seen this language in in The Walking Dead before, particularly with the, the scavengers and um, Jadis and talking about whether people are A's or B's. Um, and seeing into this um, facility where they're basically testing uh, live walkers and I guess trying to understand the virus, understand the disease, I thought was really interesting. It'll be interesting to see where they're going to go with this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite a bit of important information to be left for not everyone to watch. Obviously, like the the internet's doing its thing. Um, there's lots of awareness about it now. It'll be a scene you can go back and and watch again. You'll be able to watch it on YouTube. But I think it's this is actually quite an important scene across all three of the. Um, different Walking Dead stories. Agreed. Agreed. I enjoyed it too. And um, I'm keen to see more of that. And I'm keen to explore that side of the story, not more than the main, the A story, but uh, I'd like to see more of that. And I think if they can drip feed that into each episode, that, that ties it all together nicely. And then if they build that up slowly, I think it could be quite an effective way of doing it. And I think this is where it's all heading with Iris and Hope's dad is mm. what, it, what it's his involvement in all of this. And the scene kind of implied it could be positive or negative. So we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Indeed. Um, if we move move across to Fear the Walking Dead. So this is now episode three of 
season six, and this is this is a real positive for me, Dan. I can it's official now. I said this to Diana whilst we watched the episode. Fear the Walking Dead is now currently my favourite Walking Dead as it stands. I and I would present a compelling argument to a jury in court um, to to sort of prove why I think this is the case. But as as it stands, these characters I'm really invested in. These stories are fantastic. The you know the episode that we got la- this week, episode three, really hitting the right notes. And we haven't even got to my favourite character, who's John yet. So. Um, this this episode it focuses in on on Dwight and L, and I thought they played off of each other really well. Really nice chemistry, a really watchable story, and of course we've got the final scene, which we'll we'll talk about soon. But Dan, what did you think about episode three? Now that I've talked it up, come and come and shoot me down. No, I I'm actually with you on this ball. I think this is a, a fantastic episode of Fear the Walking Dead. I think what what is happening now, you know. Previously, when we talk about Walking Dead, like sometimes we focus on characters that um, that aren't as important or haven't had the screen time for us to really sort of empathise with them. But I think here, when you've got such a great character like Dwight, um, you know, we, we've seen him across both fran- both sort of franchises as well. And just I, I think having some time back with him, it just reminded me how much of an awesome character he is. Al's been awesome for a very long time. I enjoyed. Again, I think there's some good linkages here to uh, the world beyond. I enjoyed their experience um, in this building, kind of dealing with these the rats and these mm. these new new people. I enjoyed kind of seeing a, a light heart light hearted Dwight because when I think about you know the way that we were introduced to Dwight, he was a bit of a scumbag who worked for Negan, and now we're actually seeing him. It's just a, he's a genuine good guy. He's you know he's playing a game to try and you know with our collecting driver licenses and it just seemed like I feel like I'm using this word too much in this podcast today, but like like a real human sort of moment. Like he was just, he was generally a good guy. I, I really cared for him and I'm I'm so happy that he got what he was looking for in this episode. Um yeah, no, it was it was good. It was a it was solid. I, I can't wait to see John as well because I think you're right, John's a great character. We've got a little bit of Morgan. Like what more yep. could you ask for in a walking episode? That's right. And look, what you just said again, full credit to Diana, she pulled pulled out the same sort of observation around around Dwight being so different, so much more human, so much more lighthearted, and just even his voice sounded different and just like being away from that sort of the the terror and the the tyrant that Negan was and uh, the circumstances under which he, he he left that that side of the Walking Dead and came across to fear the Walking Dead. And that brings me to, of course, the the final three minutes and that final scene where we have that amazing reunion of Dwight and his partner, Sherry, who were, you know, two characters for anyone again, who hasn't watched it, who were split from each other in the, the original, you know, the walking dead series mistreated and manipulated by Negan seemingly destined never to meet again. And, and I have to be honest, I thought there was no way she was still alive. There was no way he was ever going to find her. And now we have Dwight, crossing over to the show and we have the two of them come together and you know i have to say a really beautiful emotional moment as they find each other at the end it was it was it was fantastic i i agree and i think you know there's the i was just looking on indb and, and someone's written a thing here that says after all these seasons and episodes of hopelessness losses deaths and defeats good things happen to good people and i think they really let this happened to Dwight in such a, a great kind of beautiful way. 
I think my my only real um, downer thoughts about it would be I'd kind of forgotten what Sherry even looked like. They could have had a completely different actress in there, I think, because it's just been so long since I've seen her. And I'm with you. I didn't think that they would give Dwight this moment of satisfaction. And I'm so I, – I hope that they can – I hope that Dwight and Sherry can stay together for a while um, for Fear the Walking Dead and they, and they get to – kind of have some goodness back in their life. I think that's exactly what those characters need, and I think it would be great to have a, another strong relationship on there. Yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. This episode is trending real high. All three of these first three episodes of season six are trending real high in terms of the ratings. This one was uh, directed by Coleman Domingo, uh, Victor Strand, and I thought he did a, a smashing job as directing this one. He's done, I think he's done one episode of season four, one of season five, and now he's done this one. So, uh, yeah. Great job all around. I think Fear, Fear the Walking Dead, you know, just thinking about your your point there, saying it's it's the best. I think what it does a really good job of is it actually takes you through, in each season, a very different experience across a whole bunch of different settings and places and venues. And that's what's, I think, always kept it, kept it exciting. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go to next. I'm, I'm hyped to see John. He's such a cool character. I'm loving the Western vibes. So, Dan, movie of the week. Uh, tell me, what movie did we watch this week and uh, how does it work each week on this podcast? Well, Paul, each week you and I, we choose a movie, we take turns choosing that movie and then we review it on the podcast for your listening pleasure. If you would like to watch along, come and join us on the Discord channel. We normally announce on a Friday or a Saturday what movie we're going to be watching. And this week, we have gone with uh, a recent release. We, we do mix it up. We we go old, we go new. But this week, we've gone with a Borat subsequent movie film. So this is Borat 2. Very nice. Um, and so this is a movie that is challenging to kind of explain because it's completely outrageous but the basic um premise of the film if you've seen Borat 1 is so Borat is a a journalist from Kazakhstan and he's been imprisoned in a gulag for for life but 14 years later the the country's premier basically releases him and gives him a mission to deliver um the Kazakhstan minister of culture Johnny the Monkey, to President Donald Trump to redeem the nation. And what's kind of, I think, hard to explain, and, you know, if you're new to the the Borat sort of universe, is there's, there's some components which are very much um, acted, but it's also kind of a real-life documentary, and there's some real, like, this is actually, you know, Borat, Sasha Baron, um, Cohen like like dressed dressed up in character, engaging people in these ridiculous conversations and scenarios, and then getting releases from them and turning this into a movie. And there is so many wild things that happen in this movie. It's borderline unbelievable, but laugh out loud funny. It's super cringy. The moral of the whole movie, if nothing else. It's for people in America to go and vote and make make your voice heard. What do you think, Paul? Dan, I am 
often accused of talking too much and not knowing where to stop. And on this podcast, I'm sure it's no exception. But with this one, I just don't even know where to start. I, uh, there were moments where I could not cope with what was on screen. There were moments where I could not believe what was happening and that it wasn't being played out by scripted actors, but it was an actual fact, real people. Like, how, how can this be? There was, so what you just made reference to there about how some of it's obviously the fictitious storyline of Borat and then he's going in and interacting with with actual Americans on on the, on the streets in shops, in restaurants, in different places. And it's quite clearly that they're, they are genuine scenes. And it's so much of what is said, you know, the unscripted parts on camera by some of the people in the, uh, in the US and a uh, was insane to watch. And it's scary, Dan. And I'm really, look, I'm really conscious that, I don't know, around a third of our listeners are actually based in the US. So what I'm about to say is, I guess, with all due respect, and ain't none of them, I'm sure. But holy heck, Dan, America's in a fair bit of trouble, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, I think what all we can really all we can really talk about with this is some of the the key topics that this movie um, deals with. So so Borat's um, daughter basically comes with him to America, and Borat, you know. It's, it's played by a fantastic actress, and she she plays the fifteen year old daughter, and he takes her to, um, you know, get get surgery to and you know, <laughs> to get makeovers. Um, there's a whole bunch of misgivings about um, abortion. They deal with the election. They deal with COVID. They have a completely crazy scene with. Um, you know, uh, Rudolph, Giuli- Rudolph Giuliani, is that how I say his name? Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there, there's some um, kind of complete, especially just after some of the other things I've been watching, some such cringy moments when uh, Borat goes into the synagogue and he's talking to those two absolutely lovely mm-hmm. Jewish women. Mm-hmm. And moments like that in the film, like, you know, you know these these two women are kind of talking from this point of view of like, you know, like trying to help someone understand that they're just normal people and like, and there's this real again genuine moments, but it's like this such this outrageous thing that I I I I think you just need to watch it and it's either for you or it's not. Um, I had a great time. I think if you liked Borat One, you probably already know this is out, but this is on Amazon Prime. I, go and watch it. It's definitely going to disturb you. Hopefully, you have a good time. I, I think you. I think you will have a good time. And if you if you if you don't, um, I'm wondering why. Uh, what this movie does really well is it really brings to light basically that sheer ignorance that some some people have. And I guess I'm talking about you know the the really far right wing conservatives, right? And sort of the, you know, some of those issues that are being brought to light, some of the way that questions are framed up are done so cleverly. And I just wonder how many, how many takes he might've had to have had and how many different people he might've had to approach because some people would, of course, some of their faces were, were, um, you know, blanked out because they obviously chose not to have their image on screen, but, uh, it's, um, it, there are 
there are moments of fun and it's about poking fun, but there's a real message behind it. And I've seen interviews with, with Sasha Baron Cohen outside of this, where he, he talks about the inequalities and, and all of the things that are wrong. And so he's using this as a, as a vehicle to, to sort of drive those messages home. And I loved how the other thing I liked was how he, uh, Sasha Baron, Baron Cohen, as opposed to Bora, had to incorporate the problem that he's genuinely faced with in the world that he's, he's, he's recognized as, as his character brought so in an attempt to film this movie he had to disguise his character so that he could actually go about and and, and interact with people without them sort of coming up and running up to him so uh, just a fascinating watch then yeah i don't know because <clears throat> sasha baron Cohen is also the the producer uh, or one of the producers of the show and it's just so incredible that he can think so quickly to live act all of these scenes with genuine yes. people say things that keep him in character mm-hmm. be completely ridiculous and get away with it i think that's the most disturbing thing that I, I i think i took away from this whole film is so many outrageous things happen and nowhere at any point did any of the other air quotes adults stop any of the things happening and i think that's that's just kind of like such a i think an insight into society at the moment i think yeah you know i you know to your point paul like we've got lots of listeners in america but there's a lot going on in america right now there's a lot going on on the political front there's still a lot of um death and illness from covid there's it's a real hot hot pot of um of things and I think what this what this movie does is it tries to bring a whole bunch of things to your attention. It tries to encourage you to to vote if you want to do something about them. Um, and and I think it was kind of a clever and smart way to to bring that message to um, a, a wider audience. And you know, like voting for young people has always been a, a challenge in lots of countries. Mm. And hopefully, you know, if this message gets you know gets to that. Um, cohort of people it's a really good thing but I, I give this one all the guns I it's definitely made me intrigued to actually go back and watch Borat one it's been a long time since I've seen it yeah I haven't seen that I don't think since it came out so um, that could be a could be a possible watch this weekend maybe just I, I think I said the other week about you know this is the most fun I've ever had watching a movie it was the you know Enola Holmes movie we watched it since we've been doing movie of the week well I don't know what the category is for what I experienced watching this movie but it was the most fascinating I felt like I had a fascinating watch because I watched this and I watched The Social Dilemma and those two things together just blew my mind across the space of a weekend it was just extraordinary yeah and I, I think you know, I don't. I don't think we'll get another boy. Like this is kind of, I would imagine the the end of this 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 character. But I think this definitely isn't the end of Sasha Baron Cohen. And I think there's his his form of comedy is something that you just don't see very often today. Um, and I think to your point that you mentioned earlier, I actually think as you know, this does come across probably quite insensitive and racist and all this sort of, but it, he's actually a real big advocate for, for changing that. And I think he's, he's using comedy in his, his voice to get people thinking differently. A great choice for movie of the week, Dan. Well done. Thank you. I look forward to, there's, there's a high bar now for you, Paul. I look forward to what this week's going to be. I expect to be highly entertained. I expect to laugh. 
I expect to be on the edge of my seat. <laughs> you can expect all you want. You get what you're given. <laughs> I don't know. I've got I've got one thing in mind, which already I'm thinking may trigger you. So we'll see how we go. But uh, if you want to find out what that is, don't forget, as Dan said, to join the Discord channel where we post uh, movie of the week and have all of our other conversations with people in there around news and suggestions for things to watch. Must be time for some news. Indeed. What do you got, Dan? Uh, just a, a couple of things. A couple of things actually on the, the Borat note while we talk about them. So um, one bit of news that um, Kazakhstan, who has actually kind of formally been quite anti and against the Borat movies, has now adopted the the tourism slogan, Very Nice. And I think that's awesome. I think, you know, how we've got the – in New Zealand, we, we talk about 100% pure. Um, yep. And – that's our cocaine, and um, but this is this. I think this is such a, a classy and and clever move. I think you're embracing um, a great component of pop culture. All of the work's been done for you, and what what a what a cool slogan to bring in. So I think big props to Kazakhstan for bringing that in. Half Measures Podcast does not condone the use, selling, or distribution of cocaine. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, there's actually also another bit of Borat news is, and this always happens after a Borat movie, is Amazon Prime has actually been been sued over the movie, and it's been you know that scene I was just talking about with the um, the, the two Jewish ladies, one of the ladies who who the who the movie is actually dedicated to, mm. um, actually passed away before the the movie was released, um, and there's there's, a, there's some big questions in there about consent and whether she would have wanted to be portrayed that way, so. It's kind of a, an interesting thing. Uh, what else have I got? You know, we're regularly talking about uh, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. So apparently a, a number was bandied around if this was to hit the streaming services, and that is $600 million. That was the price that they were looking for for a Netflix and iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, whoever, if you want to host it. $600 million. Obviously, that figure wasn't reached, but what I like about this, Paul, is I like that people are having these conversations, mm. and I think there may come a time when this might be the pathway forward. Absolutely. I was, like, when I saw that, in fact, I think I saw it from you in the Discord community, uh, that really got me excited. And I, you know, you just wonder who didn't come to the table out of those streaming platforms with the money, because... If they had, we we could be reviewing this movie next week, right? I mean, it, we can, we've come pretty close, and I feel like if if they haven't quite got there with Bond, then maybe they they might with uh, I don't know some slightly smaller but still pretty big movies because Bond is huge, right? So I think they could you know maybe come down a, a notch. Well, I think it comes back to that uh, Black Widow conversation as well. Mm. It's only going to take one of these real big blockbusters to give it a go and potentially slay. And I actually think, you know, Borat is a, probably a good example of this. Like, this is a movie that probably would have done really well in theatres, um, not in this environment. But, and I think, you know, depending on what those, um, what that view count looks like, there, I think there might be more and more interest because I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily see 2021 being that different given the this, this state of where, where things are at from a, a COVID point of view at the moment. Agreed, absolutely. Uh, a couple of other little bits of news, just some little tidbits. So Spider-Man 3, 
um, has apparently officially started filming, which is pretty exciting. I feel like, um, speaking of movies, being, I think there's going to be such a backlog of all these movies that have been um, filmed and edited and, and ready to go. There's, there's going to come a point at some time where you know, the, the dam's going to break. We've got a little bit of news that uh, Tim Burton is rebooting the, the Adams Family as a live-action TV show. I'm on board. I love a bit of uh, Tim Burton. He's done some some great stuff with uh, Batman. I think it is a – I'm a big Adams Family fan. You've heard me talk about the uh, the, the latest movie. Yeah. I, I love the, the black and white TV show as a kid, so really intrigued to see what Tim Burton's going to do here. Um, and then uh, two final bits of news. You're a big fan, Paul, of Hocus Pocus, the original movie. Hocus Pocus 2 – is in the works so we've got some classics in here so we've got Bette Midler we've got Sarah Jessica Parker uh, we've got uh, Kathy Najumi um, and you know this has been a uh, people love Hocus Pocus and apparently there's been there's a real big uh, fan culture around um, bringing Hocus Pocus to the life and so it looks like those conversations are all heading in the right direction so you'll be pretty excited never heard of it very excited Come on, Paul. Come on. Final bit of news. It looks like uh, Oscar Isaac, who you'll know from uh, the recent Star Wars movies as Poe Dameron, is in talks to play Moon Knight in the MCU. And that's freaking awesome because Moon Knight is a real badass. Now, I don't know whether you know much about Moon Knight, Paul, but he's a real quirky character in the comic book universe. He's kind of one of the – he's one of the – there's a few characters with issues, but he, he's got, you know, some real big sort of mental health issues. He's definitely got a bit of a drinking problem. He's kind of got some um, Punisher, Deadpool type of vibes. He um, worships uh, uh, an old Egyptian god. Even the, 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 in the comics, the, there's some there's some funny moments, um, you know, where he's talking to Captain America and, and Spider Man, and he's he's yelling at them through like a TV screen, like "Where's my goddamn money?" And then like they're telling him, like, "No one owes you money. Like, um, you're, you're drunk. You're an asshole." And then, you know, he's asking about like Dracula, and then he's saying. What do you mean Dracula's not part of the Avengers? Like, (laughs) he's got a a real great um, warped sense of humour. I think um, Oscar Isaac could do something really awesome with this role. I think this will definitely be a more of a a dark um, TV show. Awesome to see where this heads. Even if it's not Oscar, if things change, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting franchise to bring to life. And that's me, Paul. That's my news desk. Amazing. Well, I've got a couple of things I can throw in there as well. So Battlestar Galactica fans might want to listen up for this one. So not only do we have this new Battlestar Galactica TV series that's been in development for a wee while, and that's with um, the guy from, oh, I've gone blank, Mr. Robot, uh, Robert, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam, Sam Esmel. He's been involved in the TV series for that. So not only have we got that going, cocking along in the background, but unrelated to that, we now have news that Simon Kinberg, uh, who's behind many things I love, including The Martian, X-Men, Sherlock Holmes, Star Wars Rebels, well, he has basically been handed the keys to the Battlestar Galactica universe in the shape of a movie, which has been talked about, I feel like, for the better part of 
15 years that there, there may be a big screen adaptation and it's never really come to bear. But I'm starting to get a sense now that it will. Dan, so say we all. So say we all. Look, I'm on board. I am on board for more Battlestar Galactica at any point. Such a great series. Let's get amongst. Mm. Uh, Michael Cudlitz, uh, who plays Bull in Band of Brothers and, of course, plays Abraham in The Walking Dead. Well, he's been announced by AMC to be directing an upcoming episode of uh, The World Beyond. He's been photographed on set wearing a zombie arm and a hand. So, you know, maybe he's cameoing as a walker. But either way, he's a great guy. And I would imagine for those young those young'uns on World Beyond, it would be pretty cool to have an old school Walking Dead cast member come on the set and bring all that experience and um you know be directing an episode so i thought that was that was pretty cool um and the other thing i have here is um jared leto uh he's bringing his joker back um for Zack snyder's justice league cut which was maybe a new story we didn't expect to to hear about but um because his storyline was sort of infamously reduced in the you know the theatrical cut of Suicide Squad, but he will now show up in Zack Snyder's extended four-episode event series version of Justice League. So that's that's quite interesting. And the only other thing I had here, um, something that interests me, just based on the fact that it's a, a post as soon as I hear the word post-apocalyptic movie, I'm in uh, the Midnight Sky. Um, starring George Clooney, that trailer has just dropped, and um, just even the picture of George with the the beard, looking all you know. You start thinking about Resident Evil. You start thinking about The Road. You start thinking the Book of Eli. All those great post-apocalyptic movies. Um, the the poster and trailer for this looks looks pretty cool. So um, be interesting to see that one. That's all I've got, Dan. Shall we pop into the mailbag? What's going on in the mailbag? Well, um, let's have a look. As you know, we do like it when cast and crew from our favourite TV shows and movies get involved with some half measures. A few of them did exactly that this week, which is great. So for Star Trek Discovery, we had um, three of the cast members share our season premiere review. Um, So we had Doug Jones, who plays Saru, who's the captain or the acting captain of the Discovery. Uh, Anthony Rapp, who plays um, Paul Stamets, who I was talking about earlier. Uh, also shared our review and also also um adil hussein who plays a character that i won't talk about because it's a bit spoilerish but um he plays a really pivotal role in starfleet and he shared our review as well so that was that was brilliant um we also talked about common domingo who plays victor strand in fear the walking dead earlier he directed the latest episode um he gave our latest post on um, fear the walking dead alike which i thought was quite nice and then with the Breaking Bad film El Camino um, that we talked about last week, we actually had four people from that movie um, like and share our review. We had the director of photography, the director of photography for the movie, um, who also worked on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Marshall Adams, uh, the production designer who's also worked on Better Call Saul and Jessica Jones, Judy Ree. She shared our review, and we also had the casting director who's also worked on Fear the Walking Dead. 24 handmaid's tale um sherry thomas also share the result um the review and finally charles baker who plays skinny pete <laughs> so this is jesse pinkman's right hand man in breaking bad and the guy who pretty much helps him out at the start of the movie he shared our review as well so that was that was that was pretty awesome i thought um i always think whenever someone from the breaking bad universe gets involved it makes us feel that one step closer to being a part of that family right 
Look, I'm I'm convinced, Paul, that one of those people has Jonathan Banks' mobile number in their phone and it would just be the click of a few buttons and we could have Jonathan Banks introing this podcast. Correct. And that would be Christmas. That, you took the words out of my mouth. That would be the Christmas present we all want. So, um, but, yeah, that family would be something great to be a part of. Um, so speaking of family, Banner Brothers, that was a topic of conversation last week um, with your rewatch of it, Dan. And we had uh, Norman from Roddenberry.com comment on this as well, saying it was one of the greatest series of all time. In particular, he mentioned the episode uh, Why We Fight being so emotionally powerful that it's just impossible to watch without crying. And as I said earlier on, um, he yeah, he, he brought up our podcast um, talking about Random Brothers at the uh, the hangout on the weekend so that was that was great um our peak performance for lucy lou we had a oh dan what do you want to say on that i was just thinking about um why we fight is is definitely a, a great episode um and com- combined with i think the final episode points is another super sad one but it just reminded me actually i forgot that tom hardy is in band of brothers oh yeah as a young soldier and when i saw him i was like damn that's tom hardy and so he's so young. He's so young, yep. but it's it's great. Sorry, carry on. No, good point. I I pretty much forgot he was in it as well. No, good call. Good call. Uh, where was I? Yeah. So um, Lucy Lou, we had a lot of loves for our picks, um, Kill Bill and Elementary, but the performance that we actually got the most shoutouts from was uh, for another CBS show called Why Women Kill, where she plays a character called. Um, Simone. I haven't seen it, but I had a look at IMDb and it's a comedy about three women living in a house all dealing with betrayal and infidelity. So it could be a, a fun one to check out. But yeah, people uh, definitely got amongst the, the Lucy Lou performance, uh, peak performance. We also had a flurry of picks in the mailbag from Paddy that I wanted to mention from Time Traveling Tink podcast. So just real quickly Tom Hanks, Green Mile took the bronze, Forrest Gump the silver, Private Ryan the gold. Bruce Willis, or as you prefer to call him, Bruce McLean, I believe, Dan. <laughs> Fifth Element, Die Hard 3, Armageddon. Charlie uh, Theron, Monster, came third. Fury Road was second. And in first place, he put uh, a performance as Rita from season three of Arrested Development. Um, so, Oh, great call. Great. Ah, oh, God, Paddy, great job. I, I feel like Paddy's got some great um, great TV choices and, and movie-watching um, which is really in sync with the half measures vibe. It's good. And I imagine there'll be a number of Arrested Development fans out there nodding their head in appreciation for that shout out too. Um, I, I've never seen it, so I can't comment, but uh, that is the mailbag for this week. So if you want to feature in next week's mail, then do get in touch with us at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Amazing. Amazing. Once again, Paul, we're doing an all-nighter here, obviously, at the Half Measures podcast, but we've still got one more segment to cover, and that is normally each week we do peak performances, but this week, Paul, being the little innovator that he is, thought we might do something a little bit different. What were you thinking this week, Paul? Well, you know, there's only two of us here. We both met the rules, so that gives me at least a 30% say in what happens here. So I just decided, rather than giving you a couple of uh, an actor and actress, I thought we'd go with something that I like to call the director's chair. So I um, I kind of figured let's, let's focus in on a director and let's just go with one because sometimes I feel like 
we're sort of running out on time and here we are once again. So I'm glad I've done that. And I've gone with Steven Spielberg. Uh, and I guess it was kind of like an easy place to start. Um, Cause I think if, you know, if you said to the world name, a famous movie director, I feel like there's a good chance he's going to come out on top. So, so Steven Spielberg, Dan, uh, do you want to, do you want to give us your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's Steven Spielberg is, I feel like a director that, I've grown up with, he's done so many bangers and looking at his complete list of films, not only that he's been a director of, but a producer of where he's actually written, he's credited for so many movies as well as um, an executive producer or a producer, he's done some TV work and there's just so many movies to mention here, but I'm not going to do that because we'll be here all day. I, I've gone, I'm going to choose three that really stand out for me and I'll finish with my, I guess, my peak director's chair choice. So number number three for me, I'm going to go with, oh, I'm still changing my mind as I'm talking. <laughs> I'm going to go with, oh, God, am I going to do it? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to hurry you here. <laughs> I, I can't take the pressure. There's too many good choices. I'm gonna go with. Oh God! Thanks for listening. I'm gonna go with. Shin, all right, I'm gonna go with Schindler's List. I'm gonna go Schindler's List is number three. I think such a epic, well-told story. The fact that this was done in the same year that Jurassic Park came out, incredible. That you could do something so. Um, groundbreaking with Jurassic Park and then tell such a uh, shed light on, you know, a really horrific story of Schindler's List. Number two, I'm going to go for Saving Private Ryan, but it's also a strong one because it's just such a great movie. I love everything about Saving Private Ryan. I can't wait to rewatch it. Already talked about it this episode. But for me, I'm going to go with my number one as Jaws. So this is a 1975 movie. This movie has haunted me for my entire life. I am definitely afraid of being in the ocean. I'm definitely afraid of being eaten by sharks. I think a lot of people have this issue. I can't. It, it's a bit like it's a bit like Star Wars. Even today, even though it's quite dated, I think there's so many awesome storytelling components to that movie. I think even though the shark is clearly a a giant puppet sort of robotic shark, it, I think what they do is suspense and fear and just making you kind of like dread the the deep water is so incredible so jaws is my director's chair choice it took me a while to get there but i did it eventually you did well you did well and like i know what it's like changing my mind on the fly i um i feel like for many years in fact probably since i was about the age of 18 if you'd said to me what's your favorite spielberg movie i probably would have said jewel um which is the old 1971 movie where there's this guy traveling through the desert and he goes past a truck in his car and the truck driver is basically just a real psycho. He's just crazy. And he starts chasing him along the, the, the empty highway. It's really intimidating and, and, and scary as a kid, but, um, you know, more recently, probably the last movie I saw, at least the, the last standout for me was that was ready player one, such a classic new movie with, with so many great throwbacks, but really just saying to me that Spielberg, even, what was that? 2018. He still got it. I was going to go with Indiana Jones for a long time. I was coming in thinking, oh, it has to be. But the more I thought about it, I thought so much of that movie's down to George Lucas with the story. And of course, you know, Harrison Ford's 
just incredible performance. So I will give that the runner-up spot. Um, and, and I think what I mean by that is Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think is, is what I mean when I say Indiana Jones, sorry. Um, the ultimate action-adventure movie, just so good. And for my number one pick, it is hard to not go with um, Saving Private Ryan, but I, I do have a movie that rates higher than that for me personally. So my number one pick is, in fact, Schindler's List. There's something about that movie that somehow is more powerful than just about any other movie I can I can think of. I find the black and white approach so effective. And then, of course, that the famous use of the, the color for the young girl's uh, red coats. I think Liam Neeson is just sensational, as to is Ray Fiennes. Um, to this day, I, I still can't believe that Liam Neeson didn't walk away with the Oscar for, for Best Actor. I mean, he was up against, I had a, actually had a look, he was up against Daniel Day-Lewis, Anthony Hopkins, and the winner, Tom Hanks. I mean, it was a real tough year. But, um, you know, there's over a million votes on IMDb for this one, trending at 8.9. That's as good as it gets. That is my pick for the director's chair. I really enjoyed this, Paul. I Even now, just looking at this list of movies, so many great choices in there. Like, there's so many great options. And, and I actually didn't even realize some of these movies where um, Steven Spielberg was the director. Um, like Even, like... It, with Hulk, Empire of the Sun, mm. um, you know, you, you can't go past things like E.T., Poltergeist. I, I expect we're going to hear lots of these movies start to come out in the mailbag next week. Absolutely. Do get in touch with us. Um, other than that, I will say thanks once again to Trisha and Patty from Time Travelling Tink Podcast, Ireland's number one Doctor Who podcast for sponsoring today's episode. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, uh, do get in touch with us at Half Measures Podcast. And a special shout out and thanks to our Patreon producers of the show, Samara King and Trisha Brady. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash half measures podcast. And as always, all of those notes are in the the show notes of the episode. Until next week, this has been 100% um, pure cocaine from New Zealand. And... (laughs) Adiós.